0: Our text for this morning is Mark chapter 12, verses 18 to 27. Mark 12, verses 18 to 27. It's a very interesting passage, and it causes, a lot, causes us to ask a lot of interesting questions. Questions like, will there be marriage in heaven? Will we, we recognize each other in heaven? What will our bodies be like after the resurrection, just spirit bodies or physical ones? And yet... In a passage like this, we need to make sure that we're not missing the main point. We need to make sure we're making the main thing the main thing. We want to make sure we don't go off on tangents and just kind of have a biblical trivia, kind of meaningless facts from the scriptures. We want to make sure that we understand the main point of Jesus' teaching and Mark's writing so that we can learn, so that we can be changed in our hearts We'll touch on some of those questions, but for, Matt, for now, let us know this. The main point of our passage is this. The key to knowing who Jesus is, the key to knowing His will for us, is understanding the Scriptures and the power of God. Having a grasp of what the Scripture teaches and of the power of God. The Sadducees in our story, story had been deceived. They didn't know the Scriptures. And they didn't know the power of God, and so they did not know Jesus. And in the same way, we go wrong and become deceived in our thoughts about God and about Christ and about life when we misunderstand the Scriptures and the power of God. So let's look at our text and see Jesus' important teaching there. Beginning verse 18. Then the Sadducees, who say there is no resurrection, came to Jesus with a question. Teacher, they said... Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies and leaves a wife but no children, the man must marry the widow and raise up offspring for his brother. Now there were seven brothers. The first one married and died without leaving any children. The second one married the widow, but he also died leaving no child. It was the same with the third. In fact, none of the seven left any children. Last of all, the woman died too. At the resurrection, whose wife will she be since the seven were married to her? Jesus replied, Are you not in error because you do not know the scriptures or the power of God? When the dead rise, they will neither marry nor be given in marriage. They will be like the angels in heaven. Now about the dead rising. Have you not read in the book of Moses, in the account of the burning bush, how God said to him, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living. You are badly mistaken. Notice in this text and in the rest of really chapters 11 and 12, how Mark is demonstrating that the opposition to Jesus is growing. And it's not just one group of people, it's varied. There are several groups coming against Jesus. Look at chapter 11, verses 27 and 28. The chief priests, the teachers of the law, the elders came to him and questioned his authority. In chapter 12, we see these same religious leaders wanted to arrest Jesus Chapter 12, verse 13, Mark tells us some of the Pharisees and Herodians came to Jesus to catch Him in His words. And the Pharisees and Herodians didn't like each other, but they also didn't like Jesus. And in our text today, the Sadducees came to Jesus with a mocking question. Now, the Pharisees and the Sadducees didn't like each other at all, but they were agreed on one thing. Jesus needed to go. All these groups come together, and Mark is showing us that even all those, although all these political and religious leaders don't get along with each other, they're united in their hatred of Jesus. They want Him stopped. They want Him arrested. They want Him destroyed. The Sadducees were an interesting group. Mark tells us they didn't believe in the resurrection from the dead. They also didn't believe in angels. In a broader sense, you could say they didn't believe in the supernatural. Perhaps like some today who say they, they like the morals of the Bible, they like the moral moral teachings of Jesus, but as far as the miracles, as far as resurrection and angels, all that spiritual stuff, none of that's really true. One reason they were opposed to Jesus and the Pharisees was that they accepted only the first five books of the Old Testament as authoritative. So for all of their understanding of God, all their understanding of the world, they would go to the first five books of the old testament they didn't treat the other parts of the old testament with the same honor or respect so they said they didn't see anything in the old testament about, about resurrection or about angels so why believe it they didn't they prided themselves on being strict to the law but as we'll see they missed a lot <clears throat> so they come to jesus with this question about marriage in heaven kind of a strange question, right? A woman who had seven husbands and they say, after the resurrection whose wife will she be? The law that they cite was called the Levirate Marriage Law and it was for the purpose of protecting and providing for the widow and for continuing the hereditary line of the man. Something that was very important for them back then. It's a question we might have or some, some similar question as well. It's mysterious. If you've been married more than once, maybe your spouse died and you married again, whose spouse will you be in the resurrection? But the Sadducees weren't asking it with the right motive. They were asking it with a terrible motive, to try to make Jesus look silly. It's kind of a, a mockery question. They were asking it because they didn't believe in the resurrection, so the intent of their question is to get the hearers to think about how absurd it all is. You can maybe imagine their tone, their prideful, arrogant, sarcastic tone. Whose wife will she be? If there is a resurrection, whose wife will she be in the resurrection, in heaven? Now look at Jesus' response to their question in verse 24. Are you not in error because you do not know the scriptures or the power of God? In other words, you're wrong. You don't even know what you're talking about. You're deceived because you don't understand the scriptures and you don't understand the power of God. This is the source of their wrong ideas. They did not understand scriptures. They didn't understand the power of God. And this is an interesting charge to the Sadducees because they prided themselves on knowing the scriptures. That's what all of the religious uh, leading groups did. They thought they had the right interpretation and they thought they were better than all the others because they knew what they were talking about. So let us receive a warning here, especially those of us who think we know our Bibles well. Let's take this as a warning for ourselves. I once knew a person who had been a Christian for a very long time, and they did know the Bible well. And they said they liked Bible studies, but they didn't figure they would ever learn anything new. They were content that they had mastered the Bible. They were content that they had had the Bible all figured out. Friends, that's a dangerous place to be, isn't it? It's not that we can't be sure about the main teachings of Scripture or about the Gospel or about how to attain eternal life, but when we get to the point when we think we have it all figured out, it's at that point we're, we must be certain that we don't, that we have been deceived in some way, that we have blind spots somewhere So what that means is, we must be humble when we come to the Scriptures. Humble with prayer. Ready to learn. Ready to change, even. Any thought that we have that we see is contradicted by Scripture. Are we ready to change our views if the Bible tells us we ought to? The Sadducees weren't. They were deceived. They thought they had it all figured out. And as a result, Jesus says, they got it wrong. They also didn't understand the power of God. They viewed God as something like a cosmic watchmaker. So God created this universe like a, a watchmaker would make a watch. He wound it up and set it. He made it go, and then He just released it. Let it go on its own. Let it work all by itself. It's a very mechanical view. He, in their view, God has the power to create everything. But as far as actual involvement in the world... Or causing things to happen? Or causing supernatural things to happen? They didn't think God did that. Sadly, this does sound like the view of many religious Americans today. There's a guy named Christian Smith who wrote a book called Soul Searching. And in this book, he outlined the, what he had come up with from researching the religious views of American teenagers across our country. It was kind of shocking what he came up with too basically came up that came up with all of the religions there's this unifying understanding of god in the world and it's summarized like this he says the main religion of america can be summarized like this a god exists who created and ordered the world and watches over human life on earth okay so far so good Second, God wants people to be good, nice, and fair to each other as taught in the Bible and by most world religions. Third, the central goal of life is to be happy and to feel good about oneself. Third, or fourth rather, God does not need to be particularly involved in one's life except when God is needed to resolve a problem. And finally, good people go to heaven when they die. This is... I would argue a very common view in America even among those who go by the name of Christian. And I hope you can see the problem here. What's missing from this description? Do you know what's missing? Jesus. I heard someone Jesus is missing from this. This is not Christian. This is something more like what you might call deism where God is just off and far away, he just wants to be, us to be nice to each other and in the end we all get to go to heaven. This is not Christianity. This view fails to even consider Jesus, the problem of sin, how all of us deserves hell, and what Jesus did to save sinners. The central goal of life is not happiness, but the glory of God, that God would receive praise and honor. And we can't be nice and good to each other. We're sinners in need of a Savior. Good people don't go to heaven when they die. There are no good people. Bad people who have been saved by a good and perfect Savior go to heaven when they die. But unfortunately, many Americans have such a view of God. So friends, let's be careful to understand the Scriptures, coming to it humbly, with prayer, ready to learn, And let us be careful to understand the great power of God. He's not only the the creator of the world, but He's also holding it up by His very power. He is involved, causing everything to work together for His glory and for the good of the believer. If we understand these things, we will be less likely to be deceived as the the Sadducees were. Notice they were deceived about several things. Look at how Jesus uh, continues His response to them in verse 25. Jesus said, When the dead rise, they will neither marry nor be given in marriage. They will be like the angels in heaven. Now, I know this is a mysterious teaching. It's hard to understand. In the resurrection, people will not marry nor will they be given in marriage. It's hard to understand because this life is all we know. know, Marriage is an institution of life that God began at the very beginning with Adam and Eve but notice what this does not say or mean it doesn't say we won't recognize others in heaven it doesn't say there won't be deep or significant or special relationships with others in heaven it says that people will not marry in heaven but they will be like the angels I think one commentator gets it right when he says it like this earthly life is temporary and therefore requires the procreation of further life. That means having children in the context of marriage for its continuance. But heavenly life is eternal, and there is no place in it for procreation. Marriage and reproduction belong only to the earthly sphere. Note that it is marriage, not love, which Jesus declares to be inappropriate in heaven. And angels, as eternal beings, have no need to reproduce. I know it's mysterious and difficult to understand, but if you worry about your relationship with your spouse or with others not continuing throughout throughout all eternity, understand this, heaven is better than earth. Heaven is better, infinitely better than earth. Heaven is not like some sort of vacation destination that turns out to be a big disappointment. It's not like getting to a hyped up theme park and then realizing it's not all it's cracked up to be. There will be no disappointments in heaven. Whatever your joy in your spouse is in this earth, you can be sure that your joy in heaven will be infinitely greater. There's no need to worry or think of heaven as a bummer, but rejoice. If your marriage or if a relationship is wonderful, Or if you experience times of great joy, then just think about your joy in heaven. These earthly joys are simple foretastes of what's to come. And if the foretaste is that good, just think about what the feast will be like in heaven. So here Jesus corrects the Sadducees' misunderstanding. In their cleverly devised question, they had failed to take into account that heaven and earth are different by light years. Just because you can't imagine how something will work on this earth doesn't mean that it won't all be simply worked out in heaven. C.S. Lewis once said that when we get to heaven, these deep questions that we have about life or about God or um, the world will really turn out to be nonsensical questions. they will turn out, the deep theological questions, the things that perplex us will really turn out to be questions like what color is square? Or what shape Is the color green? Nonsense. It doesn't make sense. And this is what the Sadducees' question was like. It was a nonsensical question. Here we see their misunderstanding of Scripture and the power of God. They misunderstood about the nature of heaven. And they misunderstood about the resurrection. Jesus tackles this next misunderstanding about the resurrection in the next part of His response. Look at verses 26 and 27. Jesus said, Now about rising, now about the dead rising. Have you not read in the book of Moses, in the account of the burning bush, how God said to him, I am the God of Abraham, and the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living. You are badly mistaken. So Jesus recognizes that the Sadducees are only uh, interested in the first five books of Moses, so he quotes from Exodus about a story uh, with Moses at the burning bush. So they would accept this. Moses goes to the burning bush. God spoke to him from it. Moses asked God what his name was, and God responded, I am who I am. And he continued, Say to the Israelites, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. His name Yahweh This phrase, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, clearly points, first and foremost, to the saving work of God on behalf of His people. you remember the promises God made to these men, especially to Abraham? He promised Abraham He would make of him a great nation. He promised to be for him, to bless him, to grow his family. He had promised to bless these men. In this life, but also in the life to come, for all eternity. He had promised to save them in His faithfulness. Now here's Jesus' argument. If God had only loved and saved Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in this present life, only in this present life, what kind of salvation is that? For God to be absolutely true to His promises to these men... He would not only have to bless them in the earthly life, but save them from death itself. And that's exactly what He has done. For God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. He has not allowed any believer to undergo death in its finality. No, because of God's promises and His faithfulness, we can be sure that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and any other believer in Christ is safe and sound in the arms of Almighty God. Because God is faithful to keep His promises, we can be sure that there will be a resurrection. The Sadducees had failed to take this into account, that God's power could even overcome something as final as death. Don't you think the Sadducees had probably heard about Jesus' miracles? Heard about casting out demons. Probably they had heard about healing the sick, giving sight to the blind, giving hearing to the deaf, making the lame to walk. And they had probably heard too about Jesus taking a little dead girl by the hand and raising her up, saying, get up little girl. They had probably even heard of the report of a man who had been dead several days. And Jesus going to the tomb and shouting, come forth, Lazarus. And he came forth. Don't you think they had heard those things? And yet, they didn't believe. They didn't believe because they misunderstood the Scriptures and the power of God. So let us be careful here, too, that we don't misunderstand the Scriptures or the power of God, especially when it comes to the resurrection. Friends, have no doubts about the power of God in the resurrection, that believers will be raised to life in the end. It's what the Scripture has told us. With physical, heavenly bodies, we will be raised. Don't doubt it. Believe. Believe the Scriptures and the power of God. Believe it now while you're comfortable so that when you're not comfortable, you can take comfort in knowing the resurrection is coming. So that in your dying days, you won't fear death. It pains me. When I see Christians fearing death. I wish they could see that yes, death is something to fear if you're not a Christian. Death is something to be very afraid of if you're not a Christian. If you're not saved. But brother or sister in Christ, don't you see that to depart from the body is to be present with the Lord? forever with the Lord. Don't you see that death for the Christian is the end of pain, the end of sorrow, the end of suffering, the end of sin, and the beginning of real life with God. Friends, Christians, let us believe in the resurrection and in the power of God so much that when death comes knocking on our door, we can take courage and not be afraid. I pray that when the time comes for us, because of what we know from the Scriptures and the power of God and His power to raise us from the dead, we'll be able to laugh in death's face and say with the Apostle Paul, O death, where is your power? Where is your victory? You are swallowed up in victory. You have no power over me. Where is your sting, death? For it is God who has and who gives us the victory through the Lord Jesus Christ. Let us not fear death, but let us trust in the Lord whose power is greater than death. There's one more thing that the Sadducees misunderstood and were deceived about, and it's the greatest deception of all that they had. They didn't know the Scriptures or God's power, they misunderstood about angels, resurrection, the res- um, heaven. But also, as a result, they misunderstood who Jesus was. They misunderstood who Jesus was, and so they opposed Him. If you don't take your cues from the Bible, if you don't understand God's power, power you not, will not only get things in this life wrong, you'll not only get it wrong about things like they did, you will get it wrong about Jesus very reason the Sadducees were coming to Jesus with this silly question they wanted to make him look silly but the truth about them is that they didn't understand what the scripture said about him they didn't even understand the first five books of the Bible do you know what they're about do you know what the scriptures are about what they teach us about every single word Every single verse and paragraph and sentence, chapter, every single book of the Bible is about Jesus Christ, and they missed it. Don't miss this. Don't miss this fact, or we'll be deceived just like the Sadducees. If you think the Bible is just a roadmap for living, if you think the Bible is just a manual for how to be a Christian, or a self-help book and you've misunderstood it, the Bible, the Holy Scriptures, the Word of God is the grand story of God's saving work through Jesus Christ. Some have said that there's like a scarlet thread woven throughout all the Scriptures which represents Christ. He's there. It all points to Him. It's all about Jesus. It's all about God's grand story of redemption. In John 5, 39-40, Jesus said this to the Jews who opposed Him. You search the Scriptures because you think in them you have eternal life. And it is they that bear witness about Me. Yet you refuse to come to Me that you may have life. The Sadducees were content with their small view of God. They were content to disbelieve in angels, the resurrection in heaven, and they refused to go to Jesus to have life. But the truth is, perhaps some of you today are doing something similar. You're content to remain just where you are. You're concerned only for fulfilling your own selfish desires, You are content to continue living your life in sin apart from God. You're content to remain ignorant of who Jesus is and of the Scriptures. You are refusing to come to Jesus. You may think you have life now, but without Jesus you are nothing. And the truth is, without Him you are on the road straight to hell. But don't doubt the Scriptures. Don't doubt the power of God. The Scriptures say that Jesus died on the cross for sinners. Are you a sinner? Do you need a Savior? Then come to Jesus in repentance and in faith, turning from your sins and trusting in Jesus. And the death of Jesus on the cross and His resurrection from the dead are powerful enough to save you and set you free. But you say you don't know what I've done, Pastor. You don't know how bad I have been, how far gone I am. And you're right, I don't, but Jesus does. Jesus knows your every sin, your every fault, your every thought. And it has offended a great God, and yet Jesus died on the cross for sinners while we were yet sinners he calls you come come to me are you weary are you tired come to me and I will give you rest Jesus calls you to him for rest and grace come to him and he will one day raise you from the dead and give you life Let us trust in the Scriptures, in God's Word to us, and let us trust in the great power of God, that we would know Jesus and know Him more. Let's pray together.